You're a man that controls his own destiny. A man that is always in the pursuit of being better. You are in the right place. You are responsible. You are strong. You are a leader. You are a force for good. Gentlemen, you are the Alpha, and this is the Alpha Quorum. Welcome to the Alpha Quorum. My name is Derek Johnson. I am the uh, co-founder and host of the Alpha Quorum podcast. And I know what you're thinking right now as you're listening to episode one of the Alpha Quorum uh, podcast is that is a damn good intro and some damn good copy I wrote. I was just thinking that I, I we just we're getting fired up. It's episode one. We're just getting started and uh, you're going to find out. Um, why we're doing what we're doing and what we're hoping to accomplish and, and what kind of led us to this uh, this place where here it is, August 1st of 2018. We're sitting in my uh, co-founder, Brad Singletary, and you'll meet him soon enough here. But we're sitting in his office in uh, in Las Vegas, Nevada, looking at the night sky and, and talking about how we ended up on this journey together. It's kind of an interesting story. Uh, Brad and I, uh, and you'll meet him here shortly enough, we didn't know each other two months ago, um, but we were having a lot of the same similar thoughts about what's happening uh, in the world today, what's happening in the world for men, how we're really in a world that, um, at least um, historically speaking, is very, very unfriendly to men, masculinity, traditional gender roles. And it's got it's got me thinking a lot about, you know, what kind of world, you know, are we leaving for our kids and grandkids? And I've been thinking about the place uh, that masculinity has in society and and, you know, what's causing people to be so. Uh, I, you know, I hear people say that, you know, we're, we live in a society that's dismissive of masculinity. And I think that that's probably not true. I think it's hostile. I think it's an assault on on masculinity. And, um, so I just got a note from Brad and because we're using some new technology here, he wrote me a note that said, is it recording? And I'm just pointing out on the phone here, this little red bar up here. That means we're, you can okay. go ahead and talk okay, here. Cool. We're just having right. a conversation. All right. All right. It's yeah, all, okay. Brad's a little nervous. He's never, been, <laughs> <laughs> he's never been on a podcast before. This is, this is new Terry. Me, I'm on podcasts. Um, I actually have a little bit of experience in uh, podcasting and radio. When I first moved to Las Vegas uh, back in 2010, um, I actually tried something similar to the podcast. But back then, you know, you had to listen on your computer. You had to listen live. And the means for distribution of podcasts has gotten so much better in the last eight years. I figured it was time to not only just dip my toe back into it, but really come at this full force and uh, really, you know, uh, make a go of this. So anyway, back to what I was saying, if you're listening to us, you probably found us on Apple or Google or, or wherever you found us, you're looking for podcasts about men's issues. And just as kind of a brief introduction to me, my, again, my name is Derek Johnson. I am the co-founder and host of the alpha quorum podcast. And what I'll tell you what led me down this journey of looking at uh, of the traditional roles of, of masculinity and where we are as a society and how I see a full frontal assault on uh, on masculinity was Everybody Loves Raymond. That show, you've probably seen it. I hate that show. That show drives me nuts. And I'll tell you why. Raymond 
for all intents and purposes, played by Ray Romano, brilliantly, I might add. And it's a funny show. I'm not going to lie. I've watched it. I've laughed at it. I think Ray and his brother are hilarious. But when you really think about what's going on in that show, all right, you got a guy who's a good dude. He's got a good job. I think he's a sports writer in the show, right? He's got kids and he's got a wife that's a ball breaker. And he's constantly having to apologize for being a dude and having normal dude impulses. And he's constantly having to beg for sex from his wife. And he's constantly getting nagged by his wife and his mother and his daughter. And he's always the heel and he's always the butt of the jokes. And I'm okay laughing at myself and I'm okay laughing at the guy, but it just gets old and we are in us and, and think about it this way. Take that show and flip it the other way around where the mom's the doofus and the men are piling on the women can you imagine the tweet storm and right, the social right. media hashtags yeah. and the, I mean, we're living in 2018, the me too movement. There's no way in hell that our society would put up with it. But now it is just a normal, like do yourself a favor, go to you. Don't, well, don't do yourself a favor. Take my word for it. All right. But if you really want to see what I'm talking about, go to YouTube Type in the search bar, bar, doofus dad commercials, and it's you're going to see hours and hours of content. Our society wants guys to go to work, to earn money, to pay for cars, to pay for cable TV, to pay for cell phones, to pay for clothes. And then in the marketing of these same products, they treat us like they're idiots and I've had it. And that's, you know, for me, that's kind of what led me to this place where I thought, you know, I want to be part of the solution. I don't want to keep my mouth shut anymore. I don't want to just pretend like it's not a big deal and deal with it myself. Because if I'm feeling this way, and this was you know me, if I'm seeing this, and I'm not that smart, but if I'm seeing this, and I'm seeing this movement away from, you know, the men being the traditional masculine guy and the hunter gatherer sense of the you know uh, you know how we've evolved then other men have seen it and we're all just kind of keeping our mouth shut because we think maybe we're just isolated in this thing so anyway i've been having this thought for a long time about you know what can i do and i had some experience with podcasting in the past i thought you know what maybe i'll do a podcast and that idea had been rattling around in my head for probably a couple of years Fast forward to about, oh, eight, 10 weeks ago and through kind of like a strange set of circumstances, I meet my friend here, Brad, Brad Singletary, who is a licensed family therapist here in Las Vegas. And uh, we started having conversations. And what we noticed is that we were feeling the same way about the way our society was treating men. So I'm going to go ahead and introduce you. This is, I'm going to move the microphone over here so you can hear Brad, but Brad Singletary, like I said, a licensed family therapist. I want to introduce you to him. And then we're just going to kind of have a conversation about what he's seen from a clinical point of view, um, because he, he does treat a lot of men. He does work with a lot of men. And so he's starting to see some themes and some, some, some constants that are coming in. But anyway, let me introduce you to Brad. Go ahead, Brad. So my name is Brad Singletary. I am, uh, a therapist and professional development coach here in Las Vegas. I have two offices, one in uh, Henderson and uh, one on the other side of town. Anyway, that doesn't matter for our 
worldwide audience here, but uh, I am <clears throat> just really passionate about helping men find their find their strength again. And I see so many people coming in who are uh, just have become kind of weak. And um, I think there are some patterns that I'd like to address. And Derek, you had some of the same oh. same ideas, and and uh, I love what your your perspective is. And, and absolutely, and 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 Brad and I were having this conversation earlier about how. He and I, we've never met before, and he lives on one end of Las Vegas, and I live on the other. And if you're from Las Vegas, if you know Las Vegas, you know if one guy lives in Henderson and the other guy lives up in the Northwest like I do, you're never going to meet. It's like, <laughs> I might as well live in Utah, he might as well live in Southern California, you're never going to meet. And yet we both firmly believe that we are both having the same sort of thoughts, and we were attracted to each other because we both wanted to be part of the solution. Are you attracted to me? Is that what you're saying? Well, you know, that's probably something for a different... <laughs> that's a different show. I don't know if I am. That would be a different set of questions to ask. I don't know if I'm attracted to you. We're definitely attracted to, to the same sure, ideas. Right. But you did tell me, I remember you told me a story once, and I, it stuck with me about how you ended up becoming a therapist. And it was, you know, almost like you had had a calling or, you know, I'm, I'm in the insurance game, all right? Nobody ever... You know, I never wanted to get into insurance. I just wanted a job. But you, you, you really, like, I've always respected the fact that you really, really enjoy what you're doing and you seem to really care about your, your clients that you work with. So tell me about what that, that time, you know, what led you to be, to, to, be, to do this, to become a therapist? So I, my, my, my first job that wasn't a, a fast food type of job was in a, uh, a juvenile detention center. So it was basically a prison for kids up to age 21. And, um, I just, I, I felt like I wasn't able to, to help them help these kids, um, the, the way that I wanted to. And I, and I, I realized I needed some more education. I went and got a master's degree and, um, that was all kind of inspired by, a I guess, a I don't know, maybe it was a, a spiritual type experience where I just wanted to learn how to help people heal. And, um, that, that's kind of how I, how I got the, the initial idea to go into, you know, I didn't know if I wanted to get a degree in business or You're whatever. You're pulling your punches here a little bit, Brad. You were, what do you mean? You told me, you told me, <laughs> you told me you were in church. I was in church. I was in church. And we, you were, you were singing a hymn or we're reading a hymn. Si singing a hymn. The words were, uh, something about, I would learn the healer's art. And, and that's kind of what I felt like I needed to do. That was, it spoke to me that I wanted to learn the healer's art. And what does that mean? I mean, does it mean I'm going to be a doctor? I didn't know. So I was already in this kind of helping profession in the counseling right. world and just needed to extend that and get to where I could be, be licensed and uh, kind of, you know, help people full time. That's where it started. Now, what led me to you, uh, without getting into the details, is that you had started to have success or you were starting to treat or maybe specialize is a better word in men specifically. And you were finding yourself in a position where more and more and more of your clientele were men. Is that correct? Yeah, this is kind of a, I hate to admit this, but truly this is kind of a female dominated profession, the counseling you look, you look up and nine of 10 therapists are female, it seems like. And so many people were seeking me out because I'm male and, you know, in a lot of cases, uh, the wives would be bringing in their husbands into counseling and it was with a female therapist and they felt like, Hey, this is, this is an unfair deal. And so people were seeking me out. And so I just felt like I connected more and more with men and it was, uh, 
and important, you know, important for them to, to feel like they could relate to their therapist and uh, kind of started to become more of a specialty to draw these men out into the conversation and help them feel comfortable. Okay. So, um, how, how long into your practice or your professional career did you find yourself? I mean, was this early in your career? You found yourself working with more men. Is this something, I mean, you've been doing this for a long time. Yeah. You said you've been on 20 years doing this. Right? Yeah. About 20 years since I started there in the uh, juvenile detention center, but I would say probably in the last five or five or eight years, maybe, you mm-hmm. know, in the last, in the last, five to 10 years or so is when, is when it just kind of really started to be something that um, I saw myself as specializing more and more with men. Okay. So here's my question. You work with a lot of men. You've worked with a lot of men. You're going to work with a lot of men. You're probably seeing the same four or five issues come up every single time. Is that right? Yeah. It's the same. Like if, if a guy comes in you know, off the street, makes an appointment with you. Let's say I call you, I'm a new dude. Hey, Brad, I'm, I'm having some issues. Um, make an appointment. I sit down at your, at your, in your office here that we're sitting in right now. You're making some assumptions in your head about what this guy's dealing with. Correct. Just yeah, based just on, based on statistics, just based on, yeah, the, the commonalities that yes. Okay. So a guy sits across from you in this office what are you thinking in your head is the issue? Like what before the guy hasn't said a damn thing yet. So not said anything. What do you think he's thinking? What do you think his issues? I'm thinking he's feeling powerless. He's feeling powerless in his life and is probably doing things that are somewhat self-destructive just to try to feel some sense of control or power. When you say powerless, a couple of questions come to mind. Put a percentage on it. How the, what percent of the time, if you're sitting there thinking this guy's powerless, how often are you? How often out of 10 times are you right? 90. So 90% of the time, guy walks into your office the first time he's feeling powerless. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So it would be safe to assume, again, I'm not, that 90% of the men that are listening to this right now have been looking for this type of information for a reason. And as a professional, you would say 90% of my audience on uh, the audience of this particular podcast at some level, at some place in their life is feeling powerless. Yes. Is that correct? Yeah. And what's interesting is they, they may not look powerless. They may be people in positions of power in their, you know, in the executive world, (laughs) pretty, I mean, physicians, attorneys, lots of different, backgrounds and they don't they're not walking around looking powerless it's a it's a feeling of powerlessness and a feeling of uh you know that they've they've lost something in themselves maybe they've lost their very identity or never developed it and they're just kind of walking around like a robot that doesn't have the the right to an opinion or or especially in their relationships feeling powerless okay when you're feeling when a when a and here's and i will say that you know i've been having uh, my wife and I, we talk about this a lot lately because she's seen, she's seen what we've done with the, with the blog and the, and the website. And if you're listening out for the first time, go to alphacorum.com, check out the blog, check out the website, check us out on Instagram, check us out on Facebook, probably going to have a YouTube channel at some point. I'll set that up tomorrow. 
but look for us out there. But my wife and I have been talking about this a long time for, for a little bit because this, again, this idea has been rattling around in my head. And um, I identify um, with those feelings, that, that powerlessness, like here I am, you know, I'm the stronger of the sex. And yet in many ways, you know, your life feels like you're completely out of control. You're at everybody else's mercy. And I don't, you know, I, I have, I, I happen to believe this is my personal opinion. If you're listening, you disagree with me. That That's fine. Go ahead and message me on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. I personally believe that I was created by a God. I believe that I'm a literal son of God. And I don't believe that a son of God, like a literal son of God is powerless. You look at families like the Hilton's, or, you know, the Bushes or these, these families of privilege, their children have more power, more freedom, more influence than other families just based on their name. Well, don't you think the same thing would apply to, to the rest of us? If we're, if we're, if we literally, if you do believe you're a child of God, if you do believe you're a son of God, then you have to believe that you're entitled to certain things that you just, haven't believed before. But anyway, that's that's the gospel of Derek, and we can get in that at a later podcast. But that's just an idea of kicking around. But I've noticed, my wife and I, we've been married, um, it'll be eight years in October, and we have a good marriage. Uh, and and, and that I've been married before, and that wasn't the case. But I, I started to notice that the times in my marriage where things were working, I was leading. I was the alpha, which is kind of where this whole idea for alpha quorum came up. And that the times in my marriage that weren't working, I was deferring to my wife and making, and, and I was really kind of, um, I was expecting her to make the decisions for me. And at that point, for whatever reason, I was feeling powerless. Now, the times I stepped up and I led, things went well. The times where I was deferring to my wife, things didn't go well. And I, so I started to kind of look at that and think, huh, there's something to that. And that when I am being my best version of myself, I'm leading. My wife is happier with me. She loves me more. I'm getting, you know, more, I'm more productive. Would you say that that's a typical? Very much so. And I, and I, and I will second that, that I've also been in those situations where I felt like, you know, when I was the happiest, I was leading. And when things really suffered in my relationships, I was, I was much weaker than I felt I should have been. And, um, yeah. So, so when I you're, when you're, that. when you're working with a guy who comes to you and says he powers, this crosses all socioeconomic lines. Yes. Correct. Yes. This, you probably have worked with construction workers all the way up to business executives. Sure. Yeah. All right. So it's not a respecter of, employment it's right. not a respecter of money exactly. this is something this is this is a what you would say clinical term this is a pathology that has infected our society correct yes okay so somebody sits down with you they tell you you're you're powerless what are some what are some things you i mean like you've got to have a standard sort of set of responses or actions or assignments and i've been in therapy before i've been with counselors before the counselors i always liked the most are the ones that gave me homework mm -hmm. it wasn't just go in sit on the couch talk about your problems see you in a week see you in a couple of days or something like that 
I always like where you give them assignments. Is there a set of assignments or are there action items or action steps you have them take consistently to help them kind of get out of their funk? Well, one of the things I like to do to begin with is just to find out the pattern and, and, and what has been the, the development of this feeling of powerlessness. And something I, I like to use often has to do with early recollections. And what I find so often is that people, they, they share with me an early memory. And I don't spend a lot of time on people's history because sometimes the history doesn't have much at all to do with how to resolve their problem, but it just helps them understand how they've become who they are. But so early recollection, tell me, tell me something about, you know, when you were five years old, your first memory of being alive. Tell me, tell me, uh, you know, a vivid moment in time that you remember, not a story that someone told you, but an actual a 10 second thing that happened in your life, say before the age of eight years old. And very often those, those early memories have to do with the very themes they're talking about. Oh. They, sometimes they were feeling powerless when they were five years old because of the way they were treated. There was abuse. They were, you know, they, 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 they recognized by the way their mother treated their father or, you know, maybe dad was, was weak or felt like he couldn't use his voice or whatever. And so sometimes I start there with, how did this begin for you? Um, and in, in my own story, I guess something that that showed up in, in my first marriage was that I was I felt powerless, but I behaved in an overbearing way. So no one would have ever known that I felt powerless. I felt powerless inwardly and outwardly. I was kind of an ass. And that is part of what what led to the sure. demise of that thing. And And then what I wanted to do was correct that. And. So then I became this passive person. Anything you like, whatever you want, baby, right. it's all up to you. And so you choose that. And and things weren't going well in that direction either. And and it was actually a conversation with my brother, my younger brother, actually, who spun me around. Anyway, I'm off the topic here about what do I do. But so I want to look at the pattern. When did it begin? How how long have you been feeling this way, man? Let me ask you this: When you're dealing with a, when you're dealing with somebody in a, a clinical setting that is powerless and they're in a relationship. How's their relationship doing? Not well. That's that's usually what brings them in the door. Sometimes they've been dragged in here by their wife. She made the appointment. It's kind of funny. It's always funny. I always like to see who made the appointment, who called me. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sometimes if a man calls me to make the appointment or he reaches out to me, I already have more respect for him because he didn't have his wife or his mom make the appointment. It's just uh, funny. But uh, how often is it? Yeah. The, how often is it the wife or the mother? Ninety percent. Ninety percent of the time. <laughs> Get your shit together. Yeah. Go see this guy. Right. Yep. I'll make the appointment for you. Here's the address. You know, here's the copay. Here's the money. <laughs> okay, I got you. All right. So the relationships are crap. And outwardly speaking, based on your experience, they probably look and smell and dress and taste and drive just like the rest of us. You would never guess it. Yeah. Now to extrapolate your experience with um, and, and, and to kind of just make a, a an educated guess on um, society at large. How big of a problem do you think this is with men out there feeling powerless in their lives and their relationships and everything? I think it's of an epidemic proportion. I think it's a, a terrible problem. And I think we're just going to see more and more indicators of this as time goes on. And I, I think things like, you know, the uh, pornography, video game addictions and just complete indulgences in, in different forms 
That's what's happening. We're losing, I think, a, a generation. And the young men of our time, the, the, the teenage boys and, and those after them, we're in real trouble. It's, it's, it's really a problem. So you think so when you talk about the video games and the pornography and, and, and those things, you don't see that as the problem. Oh no, that's the that's the symptom of the problem. That's okay. just the that's just the tip of the iceberg, and and the stuff underneath the surface that we don't see. Uh, that's that's what's really going if, on. If you could if you could reduce the problem down to one thing, like I mean, we've got all these problems. We got the video game problem, the porn problem. Our marriages are crap. Our, our, our relationships with their kids are crap. I mean, if, if, if somebody had to say, where did this problem start? Again, just as you're as, as a, as a professional, where do you think it starts? Where, where do you think it started? I think the source of most of our problems when it comes to emotional and relational issues is shame. It's shame and self-hatred. I'm a loser. I'm worthless. I, I'm no good. And, and those messages get created sometimes by the by the people that, you know, shape our our identity and, and help us do that. But uh, and sometimes it just comes internally. People deal with depression and it may be more of a, a biological thing which affects our thinking. But so often it's a message that they've kind of picked up somewhere that I'm not OK. Just, and, and would you say that shame comes from. These external messages that we're getting from 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 popular culture, everybody loves Raymond. You know, there's really when you think about it, you think about popular culture. Popular culture being a reflection of society. You know, um, I, I was thinking before, as I was preparing for this this podcast, like trying to find in modern culture in. Um, in, in, in modern society on television or movies, I was trying to think of an example of a really strong alpha male character in modern culture. And I, I, I couldn't think of one. Now, part of that, I don't watch. I mean, I, I watch some television, but my television is kind of like I get into a show. I watch every episode in like a day and a half. And then uh, <laughs> until, until the world series of football season starts to kind of turn off the TV and, 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 and whatever. But, um, you know, I, even, even going back to say a character like Archie Bunker, who in many ways was kind of a despicable human being, they wrote him and portrayed him in such a way that he had heart and he loved his family and he worked hard and he was kind of like this lovable bigot. But we don't even like now we just have kind of like Homer Simpson, who's an idiot. You know, we've got um, uh, the, the family guy guy who's just like Homer Simpson times 10 um, friends or Seinfeld. They're all narcissists, you know, played up for comedy. But can you think of a character on no. television right now that you would model your life no. or you would say to your son, like, I want you to be like that guy? No, no heroes since, you know, 300 or Gladiator. I mean, there's nothing. <laughs> it's all historical. Yeah, Braveheart. That was the last time there was any men out there. But even to look at the character like in uh, It's a Wonderful Life, George Bailey was this, you know, you look at the impact that his <clears throat> life had, 
You've never seen the movie, have you? <laughs> Son of a bitch. You've never seen the movie. I don't watch a lot of TV, man. It's, I don't know the why. The movie's I mean, 70 years old. <laughs> I, if, I, if it was on, I would probably recognize it, but I can't tell you who's in it or what the story Jimmy is. Jimmy Stewart was in it. Jimmy okay. Stewart and Donna Reed was in it. And he's... Probably, if you haven't seen it, there's a lot of yeah, people yeah. that haven't seen it. But I'll give you a really short... Uh, George Bailey is... Um, uh, he owns a building alone back in Depression era. Like post World War, so probably a little after World War Two. So post Depression, post war, and his life isn't really working out the way he wants it to work out. And he goes, he, he's married, he's got kids, uh, he owns this business, and he decides he's going to kill himself. So he goes to jump off a bridge, and right before, or right as he jumps off the bridge, or right before he's about to jump off the bridge, an angel comes down from heaven and jumps in the river. And George Bailey goes in to rescue him, and the angel shows him what the world would be like if he had never been born. And it goes, to, you know, he tells a story about how the, wor the world was much worse off because he wasn't there. And because he was there, it changed the course of a lot of lives. And so that was, the, like, if you were going to have a character in a movie or a television show that you would want to model yourself after, I don't know if we have to go back as far as the it's a Wonderful Life, which I think is about a 70-year-old movie. But I can't think of anything. I mean, even Gladiator and and Braveheart, those aren't family men. <laughs> you know, 300, I guess 300 had his, his wife, but there's, there's no depictions of that sort right, of thing. Right, right. In fact, the family men that we do see in television, like Tony Soprano or Don Draper, are really conflicted, really complicated, not yeah. very good guys. And so we're in this kind of area and, and the women are always like, you know, I got a daughter, she's six years old. We go to the store and it's all girl power and girls can do this and girls can do that. I don't see us doing the same thing with our young men and our boys. It's probably part of the reason why we're having such a, a crisis with young men and boys. But anyway, in popular culture, I can't think of any character that's written fictional or other, you know, or, or even on, and I would want to model myself after. But that sound right there is the vacuuming. So we're doing, <laughs> Brad and I both have like normal jobs, like nine to fives. So we're doing the podcast after hours. That's how committed we are. That's right. To this. We're here. We're closing this place up with the cleaning crew. So back to what I was, uh, I was saying. So you, you, you see, in, in what you're in, in your clinical in, in your in your treatment of people, you're seeing this, the same themes come up again and again and again. Yeah. Okay. So, I'm gonna wrap this up. We've been going here. How long we've we been going here? Let's look at this. We've been going here about a half hour. We really appreciate you listening to the first episode of Alpha Corp. If you like what you hear, go ahead and like it. Leave a comment. Go to the Facebook page, face, facebook.com slash alphacorn. Leave us a comment there. Like the page. Follow the page. We're going to do some great stuff with the Facebook group. We've got some events coming up. This is going to be – I'm excited at what we're planning here. This is going to be yeah, great. It's awesome. I am going to um, learn how to butcher an animal. I've never done that before other than, like, cooking a steak. or Like, the, the closest I've ever come to butchering an animal is when you, you, like, you buy the whole prime rib. Like you cut the steak off from that. That's the closest. Have you ever butchered an animal? I have. I, Shut I the sure front door. Are you yeah, serious? Yeah, yeah, serious. Field dressed the deer when I was about maybe 13 or 14. Yeah. Look at you. Yeah. No wonder you're the guy treating the guys. <laughs> it's not all like that. You're, you're the alpha. Oh, no way. 
So again, um, we've touched on a lot of different topics here, but to kind of sum up what we've been, we've been talking about um, from a, you know, from a treatment standard, uh, Brad's telling me that when a guy sits across from him with very few exceptions, he knows exactly what the man is feeling before he even opens his mouth, which tells me most of you out there listening to this on some level feel the same way. And so I want to put you in the position right now of sitting in Brad's office and talking to him for the first time, feeling the way you're feeling. And then Brad's going to leave us with some homework and a couple of assignments that, you know, he would give somebody after that to really kind of reclaim and unleash this, whatever it is that they're suppressing. You know, I, Brad and I had this conversation earlier that if somebody tells, you know, feels a certain way, if they feel gay, if they feel transgender, whatever, I'm not allowed and I wouldn't. If somebody says that's the way I feel, that's the way I feel. And yet when we have our young man and our boys tell us they're feeling a certain way and it's normal masculine behavior, they're being told it's toxic and that it's wrong and that it should be suppressed. Normal masculine behavior, like what do you mean? You know, aggression, sexual urge. What do you mean by uh, normal masculine behavior? Would be like throwing snowballs. Okay. Or, you know, like wrestling or fighting or, you know, the norm mm -hmm. I mean, normal stuff. I mean, when I was a kid, I'm not going to say the name of the, of the game, but you know what I'm talking about. If you're, you know, you grew up in the eighties, it was a game. It was like rugby. You throw the football and whoever caught it would run until he got the crap knocked out of him. The ball would roll out and then we call it smear the blank. And it's a derogatory term now, but that's what we, and that like we played it at school. We played it at recess. Nobody stopped us. It was just a way it was just what boys did. You find me a school in any really like outside of like maybe like the deep south, but like a here in Vegas, find me a school they allow boys to do that kind of stuff, and it's just getting around out the normal kind of boy stuff. I, I don't think it exists. Yeah. Do dodgeball, another normal boy thing. You know, we're emasculating our kids. Normal boy behavior now is video games and, and porn. Right, right. But anyway, I, listeners in your office for the first time. They spilled their guts. There's nothing you haven't heard before. Give us some homework, Brad. What, homework. What? Let's see. I, I think. I think. Um, I think what I might want to start with is what is your ideal situation. You know, what are your what are the ideal characteristics that you want to have? What are the things? How have you lost yourself? What is the identity that you're you're not feel you, you don't feel like you're living congruently with? You know, what, what, what have you lost? What do you see as missing pieces for you? And just write down 10 things that you must have for yourself that, uh, that you don't, they don't have. Maybe it's, I need to make more money. Maybe it's, I need to be more assertive. I need to be able to tell the lady at Wendy's that I don't like my fries because they're cold. And I can't do that much less confront my wife or girlfriend about the things that, that, that you know, that I don't like there. Um, maybe I need to, uh, you know, maybe I do need to develop some more masculine interests and things. I know nothing about sports. And when the guys talk about it at work, I feel weird and I can't, I feel like I don't relate. And I need to learn some things about the role of, of uh, or the, the world of, of manly things. Um, so just to kind of, so would you say that one of the reasons or the primary reason that somebody would come into your office 
feeling powerless is because they're either ignoring or suppressing their instincts as a man to be a leader, to be an alpha. I would say so. They want to be a nice guy. They've been taught that they need to be, you know, submissive in a way that they need to apologize hold their tongue for, for being apologize, a guy. Apologize, you know. Don't don't allow yourself to to feel the way you feel, and and you know, yeah, m- lots of suppressions, you know, suppression there. What happens? <clears throat> and, and and when when men do this again, speaking, I don't think this is healthy for anybody, but specifically men, based because that's what we're talking about. When men suppress that masculine energy for too long. What happens? Well, I think it boils over into a, into eventually an aggressive episode. There's, you know, passive, passive, passive. And I've built this thing up for a long time. There's some small trigger. And that's where we get things like road rage. That's where we get, you know, acting out, sexual acting out. There's um, uh, just all kinds of indulgences and addictions. And then, and then, uh, you know, maybe they've stepped out in their marriage just because they want to feel powerful again. And the only way to do that is with a secret. Right. Gotcha. All right. Well, let's, let's wrap this up. We're actually going to do, I think, um, I really like what we've done. I think, we've, I, I think that um, what I really wanted to demonstrate or illustrate with this podcast is that whatever the audience is feeling right now that drew, drew them or attracted them, to this podcast, to the Alpha Quorum, to be a part of this movement. I wanted them to feel like whatever they're feeling, they're not isolated. Like this is common. This is a pathology. This is society is telling us that we are flawed and that we are somehow less than because we're male and because we have certain male impulses or feelings. And there's nothing toxic about masculinity. Toxic is just toxic. There's nothing inherently toxic about masculinity. It's like there's nothing toxic toxic inherently about feminine uh femininity all right but we're men we were born this way we have certain urges we have certain desires we have certain ways we think and feel that quite frankly have been essential part of society since there's been society so i want you to you know i want you you listening at home in your car with your at the gym wherever you are don't you feel like you're in the right place we hear you we 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 know how you feel um, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, Brad, how do they get a hold of you? BradSingletary.com. BradSingletary.com. And um, I think we're going to pick this up. We're going to do a second part of this. And we'll probably post it at the same time. So you'll see part one and part two. But I like the themes we've been talking about. I, I think I want to talk more about the actions that you would have you know, take. I think we've established that we all kind of feel like this powerlessness and we want to address it. And so in the future, I want to talk more about things that we can do, actions we can take, books that we can read, videos we can watch, and things like that. But anyway, I think we did a great job on episode one. Leave us a comment. Leave us a rating. Uh, This is exciting stuff. We're going to go ahead and uh, we'll post this soon. August 1st, 2018. Um, Starting a new movement here. This is exciting. So um, in the meantime, you guys, thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Now i got to figure out how to turn this thing off. It's so unprofessional. I just ended the podcast, and you're laughing at me. I feel like a total jackass. Gentlemen, you are the Alpha, and this is the Alpha Quorum.